All right, guys. How's it going? All right. So opening our Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 11. When you get it, say, got it. Dang, you guys are fast. Hebrews 11. That's good. That means you all read the Bible. You know, it's interesting, uh, when we were talking about Hebrews 11 in the last couple months and that we'd be doing this over the summer and we were kind of assigning different stories, it's interesting that this next section of Hebrews 11 fell on me because last week Sean talked about Abraham and Sarah and going to a land to possess a land that they didn't know of and about God giving them the chosen son, Isaac, and then this week was supposed to be me teaching uh, about Abraham offering up his son, Isaac as a sacrifice. I've only gotten to teach at this pulpit twice, two other times, and uh, one of the other times the Lord led me to teach on the subject of Abraham and Isaac. And so either you guys aren't getting it, or I'm not getting it, or something, but the Lord has us here again. And uh, I love the Lord because you can take the same exact story in the Bible and He just transforms it. And that's how the Lord loves to work. You know, He loves to work prophetically in our lives and He has a different word at different times for a different reason for a different people. And so today, tonight, the Lord has something real specific for us, real perfect for us. And uh, I'm I'm as excited as you guys are to get into the word today. Let's pray and ask the Lord to just bless it. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that as it is read and as it is preached, Lord, that it goes forth like a a two-edged sword to to divide between fleshly things and spiritual things. And Lord, this evening, you want to come and you want to divide in our lives between the flesh and the spirit. Lord, you want to speak into our lives through the story of a man named Abraham and his son Isaac. And Lord, you have a specific word for us. You know every single one of our hearts, Lord. You know what we've come in here with. You know baggage that we've come in here with, Lord. You know just victories and excitement that we've come in here with. Lord, you know every single one of us intimately. And so, Lord, I I would ask, as I have the humble privilege of communicating your word tonight, that as is prayed so often from this pulpit, Lord, that that you would author my thoughts, Lord, that you would author my words, and then as I open my mouth, it would be the oracles of God, and as... We would minister in the word that it would be with the ability which God supplies that you may be glorified in all things, Lord. And we ask it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, by way of review, we're going to read uh, starting in verse 8. Just so we can get kind of the context of uh, where we'll be starting with this story in verse 17. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child, that is Isaac, when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars 
of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Let's continue on in verse 13. These, speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland or a heavenly home. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Last week, like I said, we talked about Abraham and Sarah going out to a place they didn't know, having faith. Sarah did to, to conceive Isaac. And here it says in verse 13 that these all died in faith, not having received the promises yet. God had given them kind of a generational promise. A couple of them, really. One, you will inherit the promised land. And the other one, through, all the nation, or through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Neither of those things came to pass at the time that they died. And they had full assurance, even though they hadn't come to pass, that they would come to pass. That they, the Lord would be faithful and he would uh, be true to his word. But at the same time they realized we're pilgrims on this earth. We're sojourners on this earth. And even if the promise from God doesn't come to pass regarding earthly things, we are full of assurance. We have absolute hope. Not just because God is going to fulfill the earthly promises that he's promised us, but like it says in verse 16, they were looking to a heavenly country. And that's what gave them hope. That's what got them by. And here in verse 17, we start this story with Abraham and God asking him to give up the promised child, Isaac. By faith, verse 17, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. God gives Abraham the promised child. God says, I'm going to bless through you all the nations of the world through this seed, Abraham. And then God says, uh, maybe 14, 15 years later, Abe, you know the son that I promised you about? Yeah, yeah, this one, Lord. Isaac. Isaac in Hebrew means he laughs. Because Abraham laughed when the Lord said, you're 100 years old, your wife's 99, I'm going to give you the promised son. And Abraham laughed. Are you kidding me, Lord? I'm 100, my wife is 99. And the Lord said, his name's going to be called, he laughs. Just so you remember. Yeah, remember him, Abe? Yeah, I remember him, Lord. I'm asking you now to offer him up as a sacrifice. When the Lord said, pick up your stuff and go to a land that you don't know of, it took faith. It took faith for Abraham and Sarah. A certain, uh, a big measure of faith. If you've ever done something like that, you know that it, it takes faith to get up and just leave. And then, probably took more faith when the Lord said, you're 100, your wife's 99, I'm going to give you the promised child. To believe the Lord for that, it probably took even more faith. But now the Lord wasn't saying, Abraham, I want to give the Lord was saying, Abraham, I'm requiring something of you. Abraham, I want you to give. You know, it's, it's pretty easy or it seems a little easier when the Lord says, hey, I want to give you a son. Believe me. Man, Lord, I'm 100 years old. All right, I'll believe you though. 
But it takes it to a whole other level when the Lord says, I'm asking you to give your son. I'm asking you to give up. The Lord would call him your only son. It was the only son of his only wife, Sarah. I'm asking you to give up your only son, the promised child. It takes a whole different measure of faith. It says here in verse 17 that by faith Abraham, when he was tested, tested, it means to be proven. The Lord was desiring to prove Abraham's faith. He wanted to refine his faith and he wanted to make Abraham sure of his faith in God. The Lord here tested Abraham. What was he testing? Was he just testing just Abraham as a a follower of God? No, he was testing his faith. Abraham, you believed me when I said get up and go. You believed me when I said I was going to give you a kid. Will you believe me now that I'm asking for the promised child back? Will you still trust me, Abraham? Will you still have confidence in me? And we'll see that uh, Abraham just with flying colors passed this test. And the Lord wanted to prove Abraham's faith. But often, our greatest test will be our greatest victory. If the Lord ever leads us into a test, he leads us in for victory. Always. Likewise, if the Lord leads you into a battle, the Lord never leads you in to not be victorious. He always leads you in for victory. Now, the enemy leads us into temptation to defeat us. But the Lord leads us into testing to approve us and to prove himself strong on our behalf. And sometimes the Lord does that. You know, the Lord will lead us into testing. The Lord will allow us to go into trials. There are certain trials that the world just brings. And Jesus said, the world's going to bring trials, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And then there's other trials, trials and testing that the Lord would say, this is authored by me. This is designed by me. I am the refiner. You are precious stones. You are, you are gold in my hands. And I'm going to put you through the fire because I know what you're going to look like when you come out. I know that you're going to look more like me when you come out. And so the Lord will put us through that. And here in Hebrews chapter 11, speaking of Genesis 22, the Lord is saying, Abraham, I want to test your faith. It says there in verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. It could have read, Abraham, it it wouldn't be in the hall of faith if it read like this, but it could have read, Abraham, when he was tested, did not offer up Isaac. It could have read like that. But because Abraham was a man of faith, he was a man committed to obeying the Lord and walking by faith and doing so faithfully, that when the Lord tested him a few thousand years ago in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham moved. Abraham acted. Action makes faith complete. Action completes faith. Abraham's faith caused him to do something. It caused him to move. In James chapter 2, verse 22, speaking of Abraham and Isaac, it says, do you see that faith working together with his, that is Abraham's works, and by his works, faith was made complete. Do you see that faith was working together with Abraham's works, and by works, faith was made complete. James says in that same chapter that faith without works is dead. You prove your faith in God by your lifestyle, right? Isn't that true? The Bible says so. It's true. And it was Abraham's faith in God that caused him to move. And in our lives, our faith 
believing upon the Lord should always cause us to move. It should always cause action in our life. Now, sometimes the action is not acting. I love to move. If the Lord says, Dominic, I want to do something, I'm like, let's do it. I just start going, you know. For me, more often than not, when the Lord causes me to walk by faith, he says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want this faith to produce in you. What, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to just wait. When Emily and I were, were going to move here a couple years ago, the Lord began to tell us, hey, I'm, I'm moving you somewhere. I'm, you're going to leave San Diego, and I'm taking you somewhere. It took five months before the Lord even gave us a hint of what that meant. And then he said the coastlands. And it wasn't until six months after that that he showed us that Carpinteria was the coastlands he was talking about. In my life, that's how the Lord, that's how the Lord works, because I have a tendency to be anxious Faith always produces action. It should always lead to action. Sometimes that action is simply waiting on the Lord. But walking by faith, it shouldn't just produce any kind of action. Just flippant, unconstrained. Okay, Lord, you said something. I'm just going to start getting crazy and doing everything. Walking by faith should produce prompt, wholehearted action. Let's turn now in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22 where we'll uh, pick up the story of Abraham and Isaac. When you get it, say, got it. They're fast, huh? Walking by faith shouldn't just produce any kind of old action. It should produce in us prompt and wholehearted action. Last week when Sean was talking about God speaking to Abraham and Sarah, he spoke about this. He said, when we move, when the Lord says do something, we have got to get up and do it. We have got to get up and move. Here in Genesis chapter 22, the first two verses just speak about God saying, Abraham, and he says, here I am. He says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Take him to the mountain Moriah where you'll offer him as a burnt offering there. Check out. Genesis 22, verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Are you kidding me? What do you wake up early for? You wake up early for like Disneyland. I wake up early to to be with the Lord. You know, you wake up early for things that are just exciting. You don't wake up early to go kill your kid. But because it was the command of the Lord... Abraham was just defying logic. It was like, I don't, I don't care if it makes sense to me. The Lord said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to Mount Moriah where you will offer him as a burnt offering. And he said, all right, Lord, it's first thing in the morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. Obedience to the Lord must always be prompt. And then it goes on. And he saddled his donkey. And he took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. He's taking big old tree branches or trunks, and he's splitting the wood. He has every intention of going through with this and obeying the Lord to the absolute fullest extent. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Obedience in our lives always, ought to always be prompt. There is a time to pray There is a time to wait and to seek the Lord and to be still before Him and wait for Him to speak. 
But when God speaks, church, we have got to move. We have to move. When the Lord says, okay, here's your marching orders, we don't say, but Lord, can you tell me again? Because I'm not sure. The Lord said, no, I, I already gave you the, the orders. Go and do it. And as a, a good soldier of, of the commander, as a child of our Heavenly Father, we would say, okay, Lord. Rather, we ought to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to take the orders and I'm going to march with them. After the Lord has spoken, we have to be prompt. Abraham didn't know how this day was going to end. He, had no, he, he didn't know that the Lord was going to eventually stop him when he was mid-stride to kill his son and say, no, don't, don't do it. I'll provide myself a, a burnt offering. He didn't know that the Lord was going to do that. He had every intention with going through. He didn't know how the day was going to end. What he did know was how the day began. The day began with a command from the Lord, and he had every intention of obeying the Lord. And if he was going to obey, he would do it with his whole heart as unto the Lord. That's why he took the time to saddle his donkey, to get young men, to grab his son Isaac, to chop the wood, to go to the place that the Lord had called him to go to. He had every intention of following through with this, and he would do it with his whole heart. Here's why. To walk by faith unfaithfully is to not walk by faith at all. I'll say it again. To walk by faith unfaithfully is to not walk by faith at all. Likewise, to obey the Lord in partiality is not to obey the Lord at all. The Lord desires that we would do everything with our whole hearts as unto the Lord. And then verse 4, On the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Often our highest obedience must be a private one. We feel like there's strength in numbers, and when the, the Lord's stirring in our heart about something, we just love to go to each other and say, Hey man, what do you think about this? Can you walk me through this? Can you walk through this with me? But here... With Abraham, the, the call was so crazy and so gnarly that the Lord led him to tell his, his two boys, hey, you guys stay here. Me and the lad, we're going by ourselves. And if the guys had gone with him, no doubt they would have been like, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you binding your son? Are you putting him on the, are you stupid? They would have thought he was sick. They would have tried to stop it. Because Abraham had a word from the Lord. Abraham understood. Maybe not in all the fullness, what was going on, but he understood that the Lord had given a, him a command. You know, when Emily and I were, were moving up here, uh, nobody understood it. Who understands wife pregnant, you got a good job in San Diego, you got full insurance through the church that you're working at, you don't have any money in savings, and you're moving to somewhere you've never been before with no job offer, no house, no money in savings. Who understands that? It's stupid. Nobody understands that. And we heard it from all of our family. But we knew that the Lord had said, go. And so when you have the word of the Lord, sometimes he's going to call you to walk out that crazy word by faith and to do it alone. Sometimes he'll confirm it through the body. That's so good. I love that. And he did that with us. But the, the, the gist of the walking was him saying, hey, you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to do it alone. And then two such sweet things at the end of verse 5. He says, we will go yonder and worship. 
Did you know this? That when you obey the Lord and you do it in faith, when the Lord says to us, hey, here's, here's, my, here's my orders, and we say, all right, Lord, I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to go. Do you know that the Lord sees that as worship? Do you know that the Lord sees that as an act of obedience? For Abraham to offer up Isaac wasn't just worship because he was going to offer up a sacrifice. It was worship because the Lord desires obedience rather than sacrifice. The Lord says later on in the Old Testament that it's better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If sacrifice is an act of worship to him, then we would uh, assume from that story in, in 1 Samuel with Saul and everything that obedience is even a greater act of worship to the Lord than offering up sacrifice. And when we obey the Lord, he just says, gosh, thank you for expressing your love to me. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So Abraham, loving the Lord, said, we're going to go and worship the Lord. And then he says at the end of verse 5, and we will come back to you. Not I will come back to you. We will come back to you. Now what was this, a, a big act? Was he just messing around that he got chopped all the wood, went through all the effort to chop all the wood and bundle it up and lay it on the, the young man and lay it on the donkey and saddle up the donkey and rise early in the morning and march to the place uh, that the Lord had called them to go to just for fun and games, just so it looked like to the two young men that Abraham was actually going to go through with this? Is that what was going on here? Abraham had every intention, we'll see in just a minute, of sacrificing his son. Why then did he say, we will come back to you. Young men, stay here. My boy and I are going to worship. I'm going to go kill him. And then we're going to come back to you. The reason why Abraham said, we will come back to you, is uh, this reason. You've heard this from this pulpit before, from my favorite pastor ever, Britt Merrick. And he says, God's past record is our future assurance. God's past track record, rather, is our future assurance. We can look at God in history. We can look at God in His Word. And that is the future assurance that we have, that God will be faithful, that God will be faithful to come through. Likewise, we've got to view what God is saying or doing right now in the present with what God has already spoken in the past. Abraham was obeying the present word of the Lord, but he had not forgotten the prior word of the Lord, that God would multiply Abraham through Isaac. The Lord said, through your son Isaac, I will multiply your seed greatly. I will bless all the nations of the world through Isaac. That means that now if God is saying, kill your son, then just like it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, Abraham concluded that God was able to even raise him from the dead. When Abraham took his son Isaac, he had every intention of killing him. And at the same time, he had not forgotten the prior word of the Lord. Is the Lord speaking something to you? If the Lord says, sell your business, sell your house, Give away all the money. Give away everything you owe. Take your wife and your kids and go to Africa. You can't then conclude by that that, wow, the Lord wants us to starve and die in Africa because he just told us to sell everything we had. Because the Lord already said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need will be added unto you. And we have to view what the Lord is doing in the here and now 
in light of what he's already said in history. If you've got stories in your life, then you've got to bank on those things. When the Lord calls my wife and I to do other things that cause us to walk by faith, we have to say, well, no, remember that time and that time and that, okay, he came through. And if we can't remember any stories of when he came through, then there's a whole book full of them that we just read. Because God's past track record is our future assurance. Amen? Amen. 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 Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. He said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Finally, Isaac's kind of getting a clue. All this time, doesn't realize that there's no animal with him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Fire, wood, stuff for altar, dad going to sacrifice. No animal. Lord, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replies, he doesn't stutter. He says, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. There was a need this day. There was a need for a sacrifice. Abraham would go on to build the the altar. He had the fire in his hand. He would put the wood on it. It would be ready to go. And there would need to be made a sacrifice. And the Lord would provide it. Ultimately, a few thousand years later, the Heavenly Father would go with His only begotten Son to not Mount Moriah, but the mountain of Calvary, where they would together offer up a sacrifice for the redemption of all mankind. Just a few thousand years later, ultimately, God would provide for Himself, for His glory, the burnt offering for your redemption and for mine. But not only did the Lord provide for our redemption, not only does the Lord provide for our redemption, but as we've talked about even the last couple of weeks, uh, it was preached from this pulpit, preached a couple of weeks ago, that just as you received the Lord Jesus, so walk in Him. Remember that? Sunday morning a couple weeks ago? You don't remember? I remember. Just as you received the Lord Jesus, so walk in Him. In the same way that we receive the Lord Jesus by grace, a free gift through faith, so we need to walk in Him. The Lord does not just provide our redemption. The Lord provides our sanctification. Are you in need tonight? The, the Lord will provide for you. Are you tired? The Lord wants to give you rest. Are you weary? The Lord wants to give you endurance. Are you bound up in chains of sin? Are you bound in chains of jealousy? the chains of pride or lust or bitterness, the Lord wants to break the chains and set you free. He will provide. He wants to provide for our sanctification. Do you feel weak and you need power? The Lord will give you the Holy Spirit. He will provide, just like He provided this day. There was a need and He provided. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him for us all, 
Will he not also with Christ graciously give us all things? And then verse 9, they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. We're just going to stop right there for a minute. Abraham, ready to go through with the obedient act of sacrificing his son. Now, I don't care if Abraham did believe that God was able to raise him from the dead. I don't care if you're the Apostle Paul, if you're Father Abraham, or if you're Britt Merrick. This is crazy. This is... I was kidding about Britt. I don't actually... I mean, I love him. This is crazy. This is psycho. This is stupid. Are you kidding me? Every stone building the altar, stone upon stone upon stone upon stone upon stone building the altar unto the Lord, placing the wood upon the altar in just the right way so that it would burn the hottest and the most effective for a sacrifice. Every stone, I'm going to offer up my son as a burnt offering, the promised child, I'm going to offer him up as a burnt offering, having the fire in his hand, binding his son up like they would an animal, a burnt offering. He was ready to go through with it. He was ready to be obedient. And if he was going to be obedient, he was going to do it with his whole heart. He wasn't going to go all the way to the end and then chicken out just because he didn't understand what was going on. Abraham, as I've said several times, had every intention of killing his son. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, as we've been reading, says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. As a sacrifice. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Had Abraham actually killed his son, it would not have been any more pleasing, it would not have been any more of an act of obedience to the Lord than what he did in fully intending to kill his son. God is concerned far more with our hearts than he is our actions. God is concerned so much more with the condition of our hearts than He is with what we do. It's so hard for that, us to get that through our heads, you know, in just our daily lives. Man, Lord, I just want to do, 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 and do. And gosh, I'm sorry I didn't do, Lord. And man, I'm so sorry that I did that. And the Lord's like, yeah, that, that's dumb. But what I really care about is your heart. David, after... He had sinned with Bathsheba and killed Uriah the Hittite and lied to the whole nation about his sin. Years later, Nathan the prophet came to him and said, Hey dude, you are a sinner. You need to repent. And he repented and then in Psalm 51, he's writing to the Lord a song and, and he says, Lord, if you, if you wanted burnt offerings, if you wanted sacrifices, if I could do something, I'd do it, Lord. I would have done it already. Ten times over, I would have done it. But you don't desire any of that stuff. You desire a broken and a contrite heart. That is what the Lord desires from us. That is what the Lord desires of us. 
He was concerned with the condition of Abraham's heart. And in the eyes of God, Abraham went through with it. He was 100% obedient. It's not about the doing. It's about the journey there, you know. It's about, it's about obeying the Lord inside and walking with the Lord and saying, Yeah, Lord, I'm going to do this. And the idea here in this story is not that God wanted Abraham to kill his son. Come on. God has never required anyone in all of history to take their life or to take their life of the son. The only one he ever required that was of his own son, his only begotten son. There's other religions, false religions, that would require, that say their God would require life. But the Lord gave his life so that we didn't have to give our lives. The Lord gave our, his life so that we wouldn't have to die. This story isn't about the Lord requiring a son of Abraham. The idea here is a testing of faith. Would Abraham still walk by faith and walk by faith faithfully even, even in the gnarliest circumstances of his entire life? Even in the heaviest trial of his entire existence, would he still walk by faith? Would he still pursue the Lord faithfully with faith? And would he be willing to give that thing which he cared most about? Sometimes the Lord looks at our life and he says, that thing right there. Sometimes it's, it's wicked, or maybe not wicked, but just, I'm sorry, maybe just carnal of the, Lord, of the world, whatever, just fleshly kind of thing. It's not, it's not evil or good, you know. And the Lord looks at it and says, man, that thing, that is the most important thing in your entire life. Sometimes it's a thing from the Lord. Sometimes it's a, a gift he's given us or a ministry he's given us. In this case, it was a son that God had given Abraham. And the Lord sees us if we begin to kind of wrap our hearts around it. And, and the Lord sometimes requires of us, can you give that up? But Lord, you, you gave it to me. What? Will, will you give it up? Just, just give it up. Just let it go. Just take your hands off it. You're not going to have that anymore. Sometimes the Lord requires that of us. Why? Uh, we were at this worship conference just last week, and, and Britt was teaching, and, and he mentioned this. I love that I can just quote my pastor. Some people quote Charles Spurgeon. And he was talking about how, you know, it's a crazy fact that when the Lord gives us something, and it was a worship leaders conference, you know, we were talking about ministry and stuff. And uh, it can be exalted to such a point that even though the Lord gave it to us, he begins to work against it. He begins to work against that thing. It was a, a good thing, a right thing. It was ministry, it was leading worship maybe, or serving the Lord. But it had become more important than the Lord. And the Lord would begin to break it down, and he tested Abraham here. And Abraham allowed him to be tested. And that's what this story is about. Is God saying, Abraham, are you willing to give up that thing which is most important to you? To a Hebrew man to have a son? To, for a Hebrew man to not have a son is like, dude, you might as well be a chick. It's just dumb. So for him to have his promised son, that was like, this is my boy. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through this kid. Through his seed, the Messiah is going to come through his seed. Generations later, through this seed, they're going to inherit the promised land, millions of them. This is my boy. The Lord said, yeah, but I'm your God. 
are you willing to let go of your boy for your God? Is the Lord calling you to let go of something tonight? Is the Lord calling you to lay something on the altar? Do it. The Lord is saying it. Do it. I don't care if you stop listening to me right now. Close your eyes, be with the Lord, and just get it out. Just do it. The Lord requires prompt obedience when he calls us to do something. And so the story goes on. Abraham stretched out his hand, and verse 10, he, he took the knife to slay his son. You know, God would be faithful he said that Isaac was going to live and that he blessed the world through, his, through Isaac. And God would save Isaac. You know, ultimately, Isaac wasn't going, to be, wasn't going to be sacrificed. But notice at what point God called to Abraham. And Abraham, verse 10, stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. It wasn't when he was building the altar and his son was there bound. The Lord said, hey, dude, I, don't, hey, Abe, yeah, Lord, don't worry about it, man. I was just, just seeing, I was just testing you. It wasn't then. It was after he had bound his son, made the fire, or maybe not made the fire, but made the preparations for the fire, had the fire ready to to burn his son, bound up his son, lifted his grown son upon the altar, took the knife out, had his hand in the air in full stride, and the Lord says, Abraham! Yeah, Lord? The Lord waited to the last minute to provide you know what we do in our lives we wait for the lord to provide to act right lord you want me to okay you want to pick up my family and move to africa right just give me 10 people to support me for the next year and we'll go lord but you know what the lord does according to scripture the lord waits for us to act before he provides we want the lord to provide and then we act The Lord says, I want you to act, and then I'll provide. We see it at the River Jordan. They're about to take over the promised land. Joshua is there. He's going to lead the troops in. And God says, take the Levites, carry the ark of God, and begin to walk across the River Jordan. It was up to their waist in water. They're walking, drowning, holding what represented the presence of God. They're walking across the River Jordan. And then the Lord parted the sea. Then the Lord parted it. We want the Lord to part it. Lord, part it. Make it dry. I'll walk it through just like the Red Sea. I can see it. What? Walls, water. The Lord is not going to let it fall. But the Lord says, no, I want you to walk through like the ten lepers that came to Jesus. Lord, you can make us clean. Heal us, Lord. Go show the priest. In other words, go show the priest that you're healed. One time, lepers went to the priest as if they were healed. And they could be approved by the priest. Yeah, you're healed. Go back into society. And so they turn around, fingers still missing, ears still missing. I'm still, go to the, okay. By faith, begin walking to the priest. It says, as they were going, that fingers started popping back on. (laughs) Ears just started cutting. Their leprosy was healed. As they were going. Sometimes the Lord requires of us to move before he's going to provide. He did with Abraham. I, I know in my life, you know, I talked about us moving up here a couple years ago, and we honestly didn't have a place to live. Our U-Haul was packed, and we did not have a place to go. But the Lord had said, go, and I was like, if he told us to go so strongly, he's going to provide a place. He's going to provide a place. And 
we left on a Sunday after church. We drove up here on a Sunday with our U-Haul. The Friday afternoon before that Sunday, Britt calls me and says, hey, dude, we've been praying as a staff, and, uh, you know, we don't expect you to come on staff here or anything. You know, we, we know you're going to lead worship a couple times a month or whatever, but uh, we want to, as a church, rent you a, a house. And we were like, what? I mean, it had been, it had been like a month and a half since the Lord told us, and we were just walking by faith, just trusting the Lord. All right, Lord, you said it. My wife is pregnant. You know that. We're not going to have insurance. You know that. We don't have a dime in savings. You know that. I don't know how to do anything except for play the guitar and teach the Bible. You know that. Lord, we don't have a place to live. Carpinteria is the most expensive place in California. Lord, how are we going to afford a place? But the Lord honored the obedience. He honored the walking by faith. Are you always packed? We were ready to go. I honestly thought from stories like this that we were going to be driving up the 101, about to get off of Gatita's Pass, still not knowing where we were taking our U-Haul, and we were going to get a call from somebody saying, hey, dude, got your phone number from the Lord, and you want a house? That's honestly how I thought it was going to go down. Because the Lord does stuff like that. I love it. I, it's good. So if the Lord is saying, do something, man, don't wait. Just do it. Just do it. And the angel of the Lord, verse 11, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. goes on to say that Abraham found a ram in the thicket, put it on the sacrifice, worshiped the Lord. The Lord speaks again through heaven and says, hey man, because of your obedience, blessing I will bless you. Multiply and I will multiply you. There's always a blessing in obedience. There's always a blessing. The Lord loves us, man. He wants to give to us. But you know what I love about this? Abraham is in the hall of faith. We're studying it today. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17, 18, and 19. The hall of faith. Abraham, by faith, offered up his son Isaac. Abraham, by faith, went out to a place that he did not know. The writer of Hebrews, a man of faith. Do you know what the Lord says about Abraham here in verse 12? Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You know what defined Abraham's life? It wasn't his faith in God. It was his fear of God. It was his reverence. Gosh, Lord, you're so amazing. You're so great. You're so awesome, Lord. You speak from heaven and then I go and do something and it's exactly like you said it was going to be. I'm a hundred years old and my, my wife laughs at you. I laugh at you and you say you're going to give us a kid and then you give us a kid. You're amazing, Lord. It was this reverent, fearful heart. He loved the Lord. It says in the New Testament, I'm not sure where, that uh, there's a certain kind of love that, that, is, that is from the world. But then there's, I'm sorry, a certain kind of fear that is from the, Lord, the world. But then there's godly fear that works in perfect harmony with love. And that kind of fear worked in perfect harmony with Abraham's love for the Lord. It was Abraham's fear of God that produced in him his faith in God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that those who come to God must believe that He is. That He is what? That He is God. And that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We ask ourselves, man, how can I, in obedience, faithfully walk by faith? Like Abraham, Lord, how can I walk by faith? For now I know that you fear God. 
It's fearing the Lord. It's loving the Lord. It's giving ourselves to the Lord. It's not trying to produce in us faith, but godly fear produces godly faith. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, And Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We're going to read just a couple more verses to finish this up real quick in the next two minutes, back in Hebrews 11. And we'll finish tonight. In Hebrews 11, verse 20. And by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Abraham would die without seeing the promise, but he still believed the Lord for it. Isaac would die without seeing this generational promise fulfilled, both of them, Messiah coming in the land. Then Jacob would bless his grandsons without seeing the, the promises fulfilled. But they did it in faith. And even though it hadn't come to pass, even as we read right at the beginning in verse 16, they were looking for a heavenly country. And what got them by church was the fact that they said, man, we're pilgrims on this earth. These things are temporal. But the Lord, He is eternal. And He is our inheritance. He is my exceedingly great reward. He is my reward. And so what got them through the trials, what got them through the fact that they were on their deathbeds and the promise hadn't come to pass yet, was... There's a heavenly country, a heavenly city, whose builder and maker and architect is the Lord. And we're waiting for that. That promise, that promise will come to pass. And it will come to pass as soon as I I breathe my last. I'll look into the eyes of my God. And tonight, maybe you're discouraged about a promise that the Lord has spoken to you. And tonight, maybe you need to lay that down on the altar. And you need to set your eyes upon the author and the finisher of your faith who did not even hesitate to lay down his life on the cross. Maybe you need to lay that down on the altar and look to him tonight, look to the heavenly hope. Because Jesus, it says Christ in us, he is the hope of glory. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the story of Abraham and Isaac. A man who walked by faith and did so because of his fear of you. Lord, I want to ask tonight that you would allow us to look at you like Abraham did. Lord, to worship you, to love you, to fear you like Abraham did. That that would produce in us faith. And Lord, where we've been hesitant to obey, we're sorry, God, and we want to go and walk by faith because you are faithful and we judge you to be faithful, Lord. Not because we understand it, not because it makes sense. We want to recklessly abandon everything that we know so that we can walk and move forward with you. Where we have doubt, Lord, would you help our unbelief? Would you help us, Lord? Where we need power, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us? 
where we need strengthening, Lord, would you come and lift up our heads? Thank you, Lord, that when you lead us into testing, it's always for victory. Thank you, Lord, that when you lead us to walk by faith, you always provide the faith. You, each one is given a measure of faith. It is a gift of the Spirit, faith. Stir that in our hearts, Lord, that we can walk in love and fear and in faith. That you might be glorified just as you were in the life of Abraham. We ask these things tonight in Jesus' name.